Welcome to the Victory Orlando podcast. We exist to reach people with the life-giving message of Jesus and to connect them with their purpose. To learn more about us, visit us at victoryorlando.com. Thanks for listening. We pray that you are encouraged and inspired by today's message. We're so grateful for all that God has done in our lives. It's good to be back here with you guys and to be a part of what God is doing here and to see the change and the transformation in so many of your lives and families, Uh, not just physically, your children are growing, uh, but spiritually to see the difference and the change and the impact that uh, God is doing and, and has done in your lives. Really fantastic. And I think we should honor Pastor Chris and Heather for the job they're doing in leading this church. Come on. You're doing an awesome job. These are amazing leaders, and they love you guys. They pray for you guys. Every time I talk to Chris on the phone and he shares the updates, the testimonies of the stories, he's talking about you guys and your families and Uh, Just the good works that God's doing in your hearts and in your lives. And so for me, it's an honor to be here. And I'm actually uh, happy today because my favorite preacher is preaching today. And she's standing right next to me. And so you're in for a treat. Sarah has a word on her heart as we were praying about this weekend. And we knew we would be here in Florida to be back with you guys. And she said she has a word on her heart. And so she's going to preach in just a few moments. But I want to pray over you guys today. I want to pray that God would open up your hearts and that... uh, he would deliver a word to you in season. How many of you know that when you encounter the presence of God, you can be changed in a moment? It doesn't have to take you 52 days and 52 steps for you to get the breakthrough that you need in your life. God can deliver to you in a moment what you could never gain in your entire life through your own ability. So that's what we're going to tap into today. We're going to believe that through the power of God and in his presence, that not only is there fullness of joy, but the Bible says that with him, nothing shall be impossible. So whatever that impossible thing might be in your life that you're believing God for, but that you're ready on the horizon of your life to step into, we're believing today you're going to see a part of that fulfillment. Do you believe that? Come on, lift up your hands towards heaven. Close your eyes and let me pray for you. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for my friends that are here this morning. I thank you, Lord, that your word brings change and brings life and it stirs faith. So I pray that over these next few moments that faith would be stirred up on the inside so that change could become evident on the outside. I thank you, Lord, that you brought each person here, none by accident and none by their own choice, but they were drawn by your spirit today. So, Father, I pray that that not one person would leave here the same, but that they would leave different and changed through your word and by your spirit. And at the end of it all, we give you honor and praise. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. If you believe that, put your hands together for Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, I'm excited to be here with you. I also want to just thank Pastors Chris and Heather for their leadership and all the Dream Team members. Can we give a hand to all the Dream Team? You guys are doing an amazing job. From the sound booth to the kids' ministry to the lobby to the platform, thank you for all that you do to help reach people here in Orlando, and we're excited to have our kids with us this weekend. Isaac is 14. He's here on the front row, and Lizzie is 12. She's, oh, yep, stand up. Awesome. (laughs) He's so tall. And Lizzie is 12. She just turned 12 two days ago, so she was so excited to get to spend her birthday in Florida and uh, with her friend Bella. So they went swimming. That's Lizzie's favorite thing. She's like a fish. She loves the water, and they had a blast. So I'm excited, though, to share the word. I believe God's put something specific on my heart to share with you. So if you would, turn with me to 2 Kings chapter 7, verse 1. We're going to put it up on the screen, too. 
I'll paraphrase a little bit of it, but um, just because it's a long story here. But before we get into it, I want to preface this passage by first telling you a little bit of the context of what's been happening in this situation. At this time in history, the king of Syria had mobilized an army to come against the children of Israel, the people of God. And so they were under attack. They didn't have food. There was famine in the land. They were hopeless. They were desperate at this time. And the king of Israel was pretty outraged. He was upset. And so he called for the prophet Elisha to come and tell him what is actually going on. Is God causing all this bad stuff to happen? What is happening? And Elisha prophesied in this moment of desperation, of famine, of hopelessness. And he said this in chapter 7, verse 1. Listen to this. This is what the Lord says. By this time tomorrow. Everybody say tomorrow. In the markets of Samaria, six quarts of choice flour will cost only one piece of silver. Twelve quarts of barley grain will cost only one piece of silver. Now, think about that. Here they are. They don't have any food. So that is just crazy for them to think about. The officer that was assisting the king said to the man of God, this couldn't happen even if God were to open up the windows of heaven. And Elisha replied to him, you will see it happen with your own eyes, but you won't be able to eat any of it. Now there were four men with leprosy sitting at the entrance of the city gates. Now, just to illustrate this, could I get like four volunteers to help me sit up at the gate? I got a gate here. Isaac, will you help me? Will you be one of the four? Anybody else? Brave, bold. You don't have to do a whole lot. Just stand by the gate. <laughs> yeah, come on. Thank you, Bobby. <laughs> All right, so they're standing at the gate, and these four men with leprosy said, why are we, I got threes, I need one more. Thank you. <laughs> These four men said, why should we just sit here until we die? If we stay here, we're going to die. If we go into our own city, we're going to die because there's no food. Why don't we just move forward towards the enemy's camp and see? They might let us live. So at dusk, at twilight, they set out for the camp of the Armenians. All right, y'all set out for camp. They moved beyond the gate. Come on, walk a little faster. They're hungry. So they set out for the camp, and as they began to step forward, God caused their feet to sound like an army, like speeding chariots, galloping horses, and the sound of a great army approaching. And they cried to each other, the Lord or the king of Israel has hired the Hittites and the Egyptians to attack us. So they panicked. The enemy panicked, and they ran and left everything behind. So these four lepers walked in to these tents full of food, of gold, of all kinds of stuff. They walked into blessings. So they were going from tent to tent, having a party. Finally, they said, we got to tell the rest of the children of Israel about this. So they went back to the city and they told the rest of the city what had happened. And the whole city just, I mean, started trampling just it was like a stampede and they went after to take all the spoils and as they began to move forward the sadly the guy that was the officer that doubted that it was even possible got trampled by everyone else running past the gate to the um, the enemy's camp and so give these guys a big hand you guys can be seated thank you for your help and assistance 
to demonstrate this. Today, from this very unique story, I want to talk to you about stepping beyond the gate, moving from fear to faith. Everybody say, step beyond the gate. Tell your neighbor next to you, say, it's time to step beyond the gate. I was thinking about this whole thought and the series that you're in of fear moving to faith. And I thought about how my little girl, Lizzie, when she was five, we took her to swimming lessons. And when we took her to swimming lessons, she didn't know how to swim. And so the coach took all these little five-year-olds and he walked them from the shallow end past the gate that separated the shallow from the deep, past this gate, took them over to the deep end where there was this 10-foot high dive. And he said, all right, (laughs) five-year-olds, Get a vision of yourself jumping off this high dive into the deep end and swimming in the deep end. And they're all just looking. <laughs> and I'm looking as, their mother, as the mother, and I'm like, no, <laughs> this is not possible. And Lizzie came after her. She goes, Mom, I'm going to be jumping off that high dive. You just watch me. I'm like, okay, Lizzie, you go. <laughs> Inside, I'm like, ah. But every week for those, or those two weeks, it was only two weeks, but every day she'd go to those lessons, she'd learn all the basics in the shallow end, she'd practice her strokes and learn how to breathe underwater and all that good stuff, or hold her breath underwater, <laughs> not breathe. But she's learned how to swim, and then by the end of those two weeks, sure enough, she crossed that little gate that was separating the shallow from the deep, and she marched over to that high dive, climbed up that ladder, and she dove into the deep end, swimming all the way in that 12 foot of water. And I'm like, praise the Lord, you're alive. (laughs) There she is. (laughs) And I thought about how, just like Lizzie, she had to step beyond the gate of what was familiar, what was comfortable, what she knew, beyond into something she had never jumped into, beyond the unknown, you know, into the unknown. Those lepers, they had to step beyond a gate of lack, of hopelessness, of fear, and they had to step out and believe that something different could happen in their life. And for each of us, each of us have gates. They're not physical gates, but each of us many times have mental barriers. It's like invisible prisons in our own minds that try to hinder us and keep us stuck in a place. Sometimes it's a, it's a gate of shame, shame from things that have been done to you or things that you've done in the past, and that shame holds you back and say, you're not worthy. You're not worthy to move forward and fulfill the dreams that God's put in your heart. That's a gate of shame. Sometimes it's a gate of grief over a loss, maybe a disappointment, a discouragement over something you thought should have happened but didn't happen, and that gate is keeping you stuck. Sometimes it's a gate of fear, anxiety. For all of us, it could be different things. Addiction, addiction is a gate that tries to hold people captive, but all of us have to, at some point, we have to choose to step beyond the gate and walk in the fullness of what God has. All of us, God has greater things in store for you than anything that you've experienced in the past. With him, he says he takes us from faith to faith and strength to strength, glory to glory. So with him, there's always a new level of glory and new levels that he wants to take us into. And so for me in my life, I've had to step beyond gates. I mean, when my dad passed away in 2009, We were living in Asia at the time. We were serving as missionaries, and we came home for the funeral, 
we were there for about five days in Oklahoma where my family's from. And then we went back because we had made commitments for seven months with other outreaches there in Southeast Asia. So we went back overseas and we fulfilled those commitments. But as we prayed, we really felt God calling us to come back to Oklahoma to support my mom. She became the pastor. My, my dad had been a pastor for 35 years, and she became the pastor of our church during that interim time. And so we really felt we were to go home and tell her, hey, we will commit a year to support you in whatever way you need. And so we did. We moved back. But what I noticed after my dad passed away is that anytime I was going to step out in something new, a dream, a word God would give me, something that I knew God was calling me to, this spirit of fear would try to grip me. So much so that it was affecting my health and I would get sick. I mean, just a spirit of anxiety. And after a few times where I would be traveling and all of a sudden I would just felt, feel like almost paralyzed, like I couldn't do what I was there to do. The, I, I mean, I knew that it was the enemy trying to bring fear. And so I said, Lord, what is going on? I know this isn't just physical. I know there's something else going on. Sometimes situations are just physical, but I knew for this, there was something else going on. So I began to pray and ask the Lord. And I realized that I was doubting the goodness of God. I was doubting that he was going to be good to me because of what I saw my dad go through. And I, I didn't see him get healed in the moment. He's healed now in heaven. But I didn't see him get healed. He passed away early. And I realized I was doubting the goodness of God and the faithfulness of God. And the Lord began to show me, Sarah, you can't base your faith on an experience, one experience. You've got to base your faith on what my word says, on what I've already promised. Because you know what? I've actually seen people be healed of cancer. I've seen the blind receive their sight. I've seen people get out of wheelchairs that were lame. I've seen God do miraculous things. I know he's good. I know he is. He's all powerful. I know that he took our sickness and pain on the cross so that we could be healed. So I know the word, but I needed to remind myself of what he's promised and believe it again and say, Lord, I trust you. I don't know why that happened. I don't know why that didn't, you know, trans, you know, change the way I thought it was going to change, but I trust you at all times. I believe you. I believe that you're good and that your promises are true. And I'm going to bank my life on this no matter what, because this is the only sure foundation that we've got here on this planet. And so I just, I began to renew my mind and take thought, my thoughts captive. And you know what? That year in 2010, that spirit of fear and that health challenge was broken. I didn't have any more of those, um, you know, panic attacks that I was having after that moment. But I had to take authority with the words of my mouth and by renewing my mind with his word. And so all of us have to step beyond some kind of gate, moving beyond fear into faith. And so I want to share with you three things that help me that I believe will help you in your life move from that gate, whatever it may be, Whatever situation it is, I want you to think about it for your own life. But these three things, I believe, will strengthen you and help you to move forward. And the first is, believe you have access to all the promises of God. Believe you have all access. How many of you have ever been to a concert or an event and you got an all-access pass? Anybody? Or you went to like a theme park and it had all-access, like you could ride any ride or whatever. All right. Well, we have all access. God has put a badge on you, and you know what your badge says? Daughter, 
son. You are his child. That means you have all access to every promise that's in this book. Not because of anything you've done, but because of what Christ has done. Ephesians 2 says this in verse 18 in the message. It says, through Christ, we share the same spirit and have equal access to the Father. Isn't that plain enough? You're no longer wandering exiles. This kingdom of faith is now your home country. You're no longer strangers or outsiders. You belong. Tell somebody next to you, say, you belong. You belong. You have as much right to the name of Christian as anyone. God is building a home and he's using all of us, no matter how we got here. So whether you've been saved one day or you've been saved 20 years, you have access. Sometimes we think, oh, the pastor, he just, all his prayers, you know, he has access. But you know what? You have just as much right to the promises of God as anybody who is called on the name of Jesus. So think about this. You have access. I was reminded of a story of this man many years ago who wanted to travel from the United States or from Europe to the United States. And he this was back in the day where they didn't do airplane travel. This was before airplane travel. This was when they traveled by boat. And so he saved up all the money he had just to buy this ticket to get on this boat to travel to America. And he thought before he left, I don't have very much, so I'm just going to put some cheese and crackers in my suitcase, and that way I'll have food for the journey. So every day on this trip, he would, during mealtimes, pull out his cheese and crackers and go to the corner and eat his Little, little lunch, little breakfast, little dinner for several weeks, you know, because it's a long trek by boat. By the end of the trip, this guy noticed him and he said to him, why every meal do you go to the corner and eat cheese and crackers? And the guy said, well, I, I just didn't have enough money to buy all the fancy meals. I only had enough money to buy the ticket to get on the boat. And the other guy looked at him in shock, and he said, did you not know your ticket included everything? You had all access to the banquet hall, to every, every fancy meal that you could have eaten. He had all access. It's free buffet. <laughs> and sadly, we can be like that naive traveler. We can get our ticket to heaven. We get saved. But then because we don't dig into this word, we don't know what God's already promised us, that he's promised us peace beyond human understanding, that he's promised us joy that no man can take away, that he's promised to meet all of our needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. He's promised you power, the power of the Holy Spirit, that he will abide in you and guide you and empower you to be his witness. We have so many incredible promises, but sometimes we're just eating some cheese and crackers, living in fear, thinking, I can't do this. I can't do that. No, God has given you all that you need for life and godliness. Second Timothy 1, 3, you have a table. You have a table of abundance. Psalm 23 says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I shall not lack. He sets a table before me in the presence of my enemies. My cup 
overflows. I want you to think about this table representing all of the promises of God that God has given you. His peace, his provision, his wisdom. The Bible says if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask and he'll give it to him freely. James 1. So you have so many promises. You need to go on a treasure hunt and realize what God has provided. And you know, when we believe that we have access, we pray differently. We pray with greater boldness. We come boldly before him and say, Lord, I need your help. I need your grace. I can't do this in my own strength. We have a greater confidence when we know what he's promised. Amen? So number one, believe you have access. Number two, speak words of faith. One of the ways that we move beyond the gates in our life is by the words that we say. Do you know that in this passage of 2 Kings 7, that officer sadly he, he spoke doubt. He said, there's no way. There's no way that God's word can happen. And, and he didn't experience all the, the goodness that he could have experienced. Death and life are in the power of our tongue, Proverbs 18, 21. Now, I, I really think it's vital that we realize this because sometimes we think, oh, it doesn't matter what I say. It doesn't matter really what words I say. Even, you know, nobody hears it except for me. But you know what? There's power in our words, and God's convicted me of this because I'm not perfect. And there's been times where I'm just complaining or just talking about how negative a circumstance is. And the Lord's saying, Sarah, if, you, if you, all you do is complain, you're going to stay exactly where you're at. I like how Joyce Meyer puts it. She said, complain and remain or praise and be raised. I'm like, I'm going to take the raising, Jesus. <laughs> raise me up. I need some lifting, and that it shifts when you speak differently. James 3 says that our tongue is like the rudder on a ship. It's small, but it will guide your life. So our words are containers of power, either toxic things or they're full of life and faith and peace. When we align our words with what we believe about God, miracles start happening. And we have to remember this when we're speaking over our kids over our marriage, over our finances, over our circumstances, to speak what God says, even in the face of it looking dead and desperate and barren. I, I was reminded of the passage in Ezekiel chapter 37 where Ezekiel had a vision of a valley of dry bones. You know, bring up, Isaac, bring up these bones. Just throw some bones on the floor so they can get a picture of this. This is always nice to get during this time of year. <laughs> so Ezekiel saw in his vision a valley of dry bones, and God spoke to him. He said, do you see this valley? Prophesy over these bones that they will live. And the bones began to rattle, and they began to come together. And then he said, prophesy flesh and tendons to these bones. And flesh and tendons began to come on these bones. And then he said... Speak and prophesy life and breath. And he prophesied breath, and that body rose up and began to breathe. And he said, this is a demonstration of the people of Israel, the children of God, where they have felt dead, where they have felt hopeless. I'm breathing new life into them. I'm going to put my spirit within them. I'm going to cause them to live again. And I feel this as a prophetic word for each of you today, that God wants to say whatever has been dry, whatever dreams have been barren, whatever those things have 
in your life that have not been fulfilled, God is saying, I want you to prophesy life over those things. I want you to speak faith and vision and hope over those things and call those things that be not as though they were. Romans 4, 17 says, God calls those things that don't exist as if they do. <laughs> and we're made in his image. We got to call those things forth. We got to speak life over situations. We've had to do this, some of you know, with our, our son Isaac. He is a miracle sitting here today. But when he was three and a half, we had a major situation where he stopped breathing. We were on a plane, and his eyes went to the back of his head. He turned blue, and he just stopped breathing. So we revived him. We got an oxygen tank on him, but he began to have all kinds of seizures and was very weak. So we stabilized him until we could get him to an emergency room. And they began to run all kinds of tests and told us that he could have long-term seizures and began to say all these different reports. And here we are. I'm just praying the word of God over him, believing that he's going to fulfill his purpose. And at the same time, fear is trying to grip me. And so I, we spoke life over him. He was in and out of the hospital for a whole month and very weak. And by the end of that month, I was just worn out. And I said, Lord, I need some answers. I need to know what to do. And the Lord spoke to me. He said, Sarah, sing. Sing, Sarah. And I thought, is that it? <laughs> Lord Jesus, I need a little bit more than that. Help me. <laughs> but I, I knew what he meant. I knew the Lord was saying, Sarah, get your eyes off yourself, off him, off the reports of the doctors, and get your eyes on me. Get your eyes on how great that I am, that I can move in this situation. And so I began to worship the Lord. And as I worshiped, it was like physical strength started to rise up in my soul. And I began to speak the word of God over him and prophesy life and say, Lord, I thank you that he will live and not die to declare the works of the Lord, that my children are for signs, wonders, and miracles, that he has a purpose on his life. And God, I speak life over him. And as I did, it was like the Holy Spirit began to illuminate my mind and even show me things that to do that week that were natural things. But that week, everything changed. He never had a seizure again. He never had to be on seizure medication again. It was a miracle. And I share that because we have to speak life over things that seem hopeless or where people don't know what the answer is. Some of you that don't even know Heather's testimony, and I'm sure she'll share it sometime, but she was raised to life at the age of 17. She was declared dead for 24 hours, and her uncle, who's a pastor, and my dad, who was also uh, living at that time, they, they spoke life. They called her back to life. Her mama right here, uh, Darlene, spoke the word of God over her, and she was raised to life. I'm telling you, you're in the middle of a miracle right here. You're surrounded by miracles, whether you realize it or not. God calls those things that be not as though they were. So whether, you know, there's things in your life that you felt like, oh, that couldn't happen. I want to encourage you to start believing God again. Start speaking life over those dreams. Call those things. The Bible says faith. I want us to look it up. 2 Corinthians 4, 13. It says that the spirit of faith is I believe and therefore I speak. So our faith is connected not just to our heart, but to our confession, our words that we speak out of our mouth. And so we've got to speak life. Amen. 
This is what the children, uh, this is what the woman that had the issue of blood did. She had been diagnosed with an incurable disease, had gone to every doctor and had had this disease disease for 12 years. And the doctor said there was no hope, but she heard Jesus was going to come to her town. And she believed Jesus could heal her. And she said out of her mouth, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I'll be healed. And she did. She stepped out. She pressed through that crowd. She reached out with her faith and healing went into her body. She was healed. So her words connected to what she believed about God, and a miracle happened. So we've got to believe that we have access, number one. And then number two, we've got to speak what God says, speak faith over our life and over our situations, our finances, our family, our future. But then we have to take some steps. We have to step out. When you think about this story, going back to the four lepers, they took steps, and as they took steps— then God caused their feet to sound like an army. Something miraculous happened. Faith without corresponding steps is dead. (laughs) So our faith is not just believing in our heart, speaking with our mouth, but it's also shown in what we do. James 2.26 says, faith without works is dead. So our faith is shown in in trusting the Lord and the way that we live and step out in faith. I like the way Martin Luther King Jr. says it. He says, faith is taking the first step before you see the whole staircase. So what are the steps that you need to take in your life to get beyond whatever that gate is? If it's a gate of grief, if it's a gate of addiction, maybe if it's a gate of addiction, you need to go to Pastor Chris and Heather and say, I need some help. I, wanna, I want some accountability. I need some help. I need some direction. What, what steps I can take? Maybe it's a gate of grief. I know for my my grandma, when her husband passed away at 58, she stayed in her house for two weeks just in a rocking chair, thinking that her life was over. And my dad came over to the house and he said, Mom, you still are alive. You still have a purpose. You can't just sit in this rocking chair the rest of your life. And it was like she woke up and realized she still could do something with her life. God still had a plan. She started going to the nursing homes, to the hospitals, praying for people. And it was like purpose came in her heart again. Joy started to bubble up inside of her again. And she's still in ministry today. She's 95 now, still in full-time ministry. But she had to step beyond a gate of grief. For some, it's a gate of lack. And the step that you can take is sowing a seed out of your need saying, okay, Lord, what do I have in my hand? I may not have enough for whatever I need, but if I give it, if I sow a seed, if I tithe and honor you, I'm going to trust that you're going to multiply it back in the way that I need it. We've seen it time and time again. God blessing us as we sow a seed out of our lack, out of the need that we have. Maybe it's in in regards to fear, a, a gate of fear a gate of stepping out into a dream or something that God has spoken to you, I want to encourage you to just start taking the steps that you know to take. take. Start where you are with what you have and begin take, taking steps because the longer you wait, the more unsure you become. Procrastination is an enemy. <laughs> you got to start taking steps. And even if you're like, oh, well, what if I miss it? You know what? God will help you get back on track. His grace is big enough for that. But if you start taking some steps, he'll be able to help you move in that direction. God can't move a parked car. You got to get it in gear and start moving forward. 
with whatever it is that God is speaking to you. You got to start taking some steps. This is, you know, for me, when the Lord's first put on my heart that I was to build this children's home, first of all, I, I wanted to pass the buck off to Caleb. I said, okay, you need to help me get the money to build this children's home in Cambodia. And he was like, no, you have the faith for it. You, you believe God for it. I'm just trying to believe God to live <laughs> for, to survive here on the mission field. So I started saying, okay, Lord, I don't, have, I don't have what it takes to do what you're asking me to do. I don't even know. I've never done this before. And God said, I'm looking for someone who will just believe me. Can you believe me for this, Sarah? I thought, yeah, I can start believing you for it. I can start praying for it. I started praying, believing God. God began to give me ideas. We started developing a vision for it, plans for it. In 10 days, miraculously, all the money came in to build that first home in 2010 in Cambodia for those children. It is miraculous. And several of them have now, we've been able to sponsor them to go to university. But after that one, it was like God began to provide in different countries. Now 27 homes have been built, 60 water wells have been dug, and everyone is a miracle. We can't even explain it. We're like, this is a miracle that God has provided. 20 more will be finished by the end of this year, and this church is a part of it. You're a part of it through your missions giving. Yeah. But I say that because it was impossible. It was like the dry bones. God, I don't know how. This looks impossible. But we began to believe. We began to sow. We began to trust. We began to do what we knew to do, take some steps. And God began to make our feet sound like an army. <laughs> you know what I mean? God can do the miraculous. So the key is to believe you have access. Speak those words of faith. Prophesy over those areas. And then take steps of faith. Step out and find out what God can do. Amen? Amen. Why don't we stand up? I want to pray for you today. Because I believe that there are people in this room that you're going you're gonna to break some gates here today. You're going to step forward into some new things that God has for you. Beyond fear, beyond shame, beyond disappointment, beyond discouragement, grief, disappointment, God's saying, I want you to move forward into new things. And I want to give you joy that no person, no thing can take away. Would you just close your eyes and bow your heads? I want to pray for you, those of you that are here today, and you realize there are some gates that you need to move beyond. Maybe a gate of fear, maybe a, another gate of shame or whatever it might be. And today you're making a decision to move forward from that, to believe in the faithfulness and goodness of God and to start taking some steps of faith. If that's you, would you just raise your hand? I want to pray for you. Okay, hands all over the room. We're going to pray. Every spirit of fear is broken, that you're going to move forward into greater things. I also want to pray for those of you here. You need a miracle in your body. You need healing in your physical body that God would heal you in Jesus' name. If you need healing, we're going to pray for you today as well. Yes, ma'am. Yes. And then I want to pray also for those of you here that you've not surrendered your life to Jesus. You've not given him your life or trusted him that he had a good plan for you. So you've been afraid to give him all that you are. And today you're saying, I'm going to take a step and I'm going to surrender all of my life to Jesus Christ. 
to leave my old ways and my old life and to walk in the newness of life that he has provided for me. If that's you, would you just raise your hand? Okay, yes. Maybe you're coming back to God. Maybe you're needing to get your your walk with him restored and renewed. If that's you, just lift up your hand. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I want to pray for all of you that raised your hand at any of those any of those things that I mentioned. Would you join me here at the front if you raised your hand at any of those situations? You say, I'm going to move forward. I'm going to step beyond this gate of fear, of shame, of discouragement, of grief, of whatever it might be. Some of you that have had dreams and visions and even words that God has given you, but you feel like those things are dry, they're dead, they're barren, they're over. I want to pray for you today. If that's you, I want you to join these here at the front because we're going to speak and prophesy new life, hope, and vision over those things that God has spoken to you. Amen? Amen. Why don't we pray this prayer together, all of us, just as a, as a sign of our declaration and our faith in Christ. Just say, Lord Jesus, I give you my life. I surrender all that I am to you. I put my faith and my trust in you. I believe that you are good, that your promises are true. Thank you for giving your life for me, for forgiving me of sin. I choose today to step forward, to move from fear to faith, to move forward in the greater things that you have for me. In Jesus' name.